live from Chicago, this is Bruce Dumont with our Beyond the Beltway analysis of national politics, featuring occasional injections of Roman innuendo, all offered up by our panel of political insiders, pundits, power brokers, public servants, professors, and most importantly, plain-speaking Americans from coast to coast. Tonight, featuring commentary by progressive Peter Hanna, conservative Josh Cantro, progressive David Masiota, and conservative Stephanie Trussell. Our program tonight coming to you from the National Radio Hall of Fame in Chicago, the Paul and Angel Harvey Studios. Nice to have you with us this evening. We have, a, again, another two hours of lots of discussion. In the second hour, we're primarily talking about politics and what is likely to happen in the Democratic Party uh, and Michael Bloomberg's attempt to become the Democratic nominee for president. But last week, one of the big star makers, one of the big newsmakers was uh, Bill Barr, uh, the Attorney General of the United States. He engaged in a uh, lengthy interview with ABC. He had lots to say. It dominated news. Let's take a look at some of the things the Attorney General had to say. I'm not going to be bullied or influenced by anybody. If he were to say, you know, go investigate somebody because, and, and, and you sense it's because they're a political opponent, uh, then an attorney general shouldn't carry that out, wouldn't carry that out. I have not discussed the Roger Stone case at the White House. Peter Hanna joins us. Uh, he is a professor of law and uh, progressive. You've not been a big fan of the president or the attorney general, but uh did the attorney, first of all, do you buy that uh, that that actually happened? No one's going to deny that. But was that, a, are they in the cahoots, are the president and the attorney general in cahoots with this story, do you think? I think Bill Barr is a very intelligent man. I think he doesn't need to be handed a letter or a note from the president asking him to do X, Y, or Z. Um, I think he's very, been very attuned to the president's desires throughout, you know, uh, his tenure as attorney general, um, you know, he's had a very, very successful tenure in an administration that's, you know, hemorrhaged people. So I think, you know, all President Trump has to do is tweet or intimate or suggest. And uh, he's found his bagman in um, uh, Bill Barr. Josh Cantro, you might see it a little bit differently. I do. I think that uh, Bill Barr has been an outstanding attorney general uh, in, in a cabinet that is full of uh, really outstanding individuals looking at uh, all that this administration has accomplished. One would be hard-pressed not to reach that conclusion. I do think that uh, Attorney General Barr was correct to push back on the president based on the perception that uh, he was doing the president's bidding in a situation where it was clearly unfair that Roger So you buy that it's real? You, you buy it that it's real? I buy it that it's real, absolutely. David Masiotra, you're also a progressive writer. Do you buy that uh, uh, this little uh, brouhaha between the president uh, and the attorney general is real, or was it fabricated? No, it's a pro-wrestling stunt hmm. uh, in which you know two competitors go into the ring and <clears throat> pretend to punch each other and hate each other, and then backstage they're giving each other high fives, job well done. Uh, Bill Barr has... Uh, proven himself nothing less than obsequious and sycophantic in his service uh, to President Trump. Even when Trump uh, either blurs the line between legality or criminality or just marches right over it, stampedes right over it. So it is only real. Do you think when he says, though, that that making my job impossible to do do you think that's the, the words of a sycophant, even if it's a fake thing that's, to say? That's the only possibility for mm-hmm. authenticity here, in that 
uh, one wouldn't want uh, the getaway driver in a bank robbery to uh, stand outside the car with a sign that says robber enter vehicle here. Yeah. Uh, the tweets and the uh, obnoxious public statements would certainly make Bill Barr's job challenging. So that's the only possible Okay. authentic moment in that state. Stephanie Trussell is our other conservative. Stephanie, we have some doubters over here on the progressive side as to whether this was real or not. Do you think it was real? Well, I, you know, I'm going to take it for face value that it was real, but it just amazes me how anyone who's loyal to Trump, and initially I thought everybody loved Bill Barr. He was this person on both sides. They thought he was a man of integrity. And suddenly, after everything we've been through, and he's still supporting our president, so he's got to be a sycophant. It reminds me of me being a Trump supporter, so it's not good enough just to, to, to attack Trump. Now it's anyone that um, still loves Trump or still supports him at this point. I, you know, this is such a small little blip on what's going on. I'm excited about what Trump has done since he's been president. So this is just a distraction you, to me. Do you believe that most Trump supporters mm -hmm. would understand if the attorney general or, or any cabinet member were to say to the public, hey, uh, you're making my job more difficult with your tweets. Wouldn't well, a lot of Trump people s s agree with that? Well, I think Bill Barr's from a different generation. Well, everybody's tweeting now. That was so exciting when, when um, Obama announced who his vice president was via a tweet. It was okay when we used tweeting on the left. But that's who Trump is, and that's how he's getting his message out. If he waits for the media to tell us what he's doing, we'll never hear about it. So for him not to agree with him being an older gentleman from an old school and not understanding what Trump is doing, it's okay. Let him give his opinion. But I don't think this is a big big Peter. issue right now. Yeah, no, I, I would just say respectfully, I think the comparison to Obama tweeting about the vice presidential pick is not the same as interfering with a judge preparing to sentence someone. One is sort of um, intended to interfere <laughs> with a procedure in a federal criminal prosecution. Um, the other is, you know, political announcement. So, I mean, I, I don't think that Bill Barr is some sort of, like, out of touch, you know, non-contemporary of Trump's who doesn't know what tweeting is. I mean, he's I, a I very savvy person. And, and I also have to take issue with what you said about everybody loved Bill Barr. Um, I think at his confirmation hearing this time around, obviously he has previous service with another Republican administration. He said the right things. He said, I'm going to be independent. I'm going to be, you know, I'm going to think of my own, you know, equal, right. equal practice, uh, you know, ever against everyone. But that's not been the case. He has been sycophantic. He has been obsequious. The, and I mean, candidly, if I just complete my point, uh, on the, on he, he's the, a disgrace to the Department of Justice. No, uh, can the, can the I issue, respond, I Bruce? I want to get real. But on the issue of uh, Roger Stone, Bill Barr has argued that he had made a decision basically to ask for a reduction in the sentence before the president tweeted, and it made it more difficult when the president tweeted. That was one of the references uh, to this, this mm -hmm. quote I read, yeah. that really the president made it difficult for him to do what he thought was right and was going to do anyway. Is that, is that a possibility that, that uh, Barr looked at the evidence here and, and thought as he believed so, what you disagree with? It is the remotest of remote possibilities. I clerked for a federal judge uh, in the Southern District of New York. Um, I you know, watched numerous criminal trials. Um, many of my friends work in the Department of Justice. I've served as a pro bono attorney in federal criminal trials also, and, and many federal trials. The attorney general does not get involved in a single actual sentencing. It is completely beyond the pale, and it speaks to the guy's real motives, which are keeping his boss happy. 
at all costs. I, I, th- there's so much to respond to. First of all, that Bill Barr is a, quote, disgrace to the Department of Justice. That's an opinion, Josh. That, that, well, that, that is an opinion that is really wrong because Bill Barr was yeah, confirmed uh, back in 92, <clears throat> overwhelmingly <clears throat> as Bush, as the first Bush's AG. Yeah, very, very well respected. Long t- Well, but I'm saying that he has a record Mm -hmm. and that he has a record and he's brought nothing but honor to the Department of Justice that had been highly politicized in the Obama administration with all of Obama's pushing his Department of Justice to get involved in various police issues. So how is this any different? To me, that was a lot worse. This is one single case. Obama wanted his Department of Justice to get involved in Ferguson and all of these other cases. One more point to discuss when we return. I'm Bruce Dumont. Don't go away. A new exhibit from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Stay tuned. Rock on TV. Artifacts from the Jackson 5, Sonny and Cher, Elvis, Cindy Lauper, ZZ Top, Eric Clapton, and more. Now at the Museum of Broadcast Communications, 360 North State Street, Chicago. From bandstand to gaga, let's rock on TV. For info and tickets, visit museum.tv. You have the right to know. The right to know about culture. The right to know about the economy. The right to know about technology and to know about sports. You have the right to know about education and politics and the weather. You have the right to know what's happening abroad and in your backyard. But above all else, you have the right to know that this right is under attack. And we must work to protect it. Because in order to be free, we must be informed. Understand the threats. ProtectPressFreedom.org. Bruce Dumont back in Chicago. Nice to have you with us uh, this evening. Uh, Roger Stone, uh, obviously a lot of Democrats believe that the uh, president and the attorney general are trying to weigh in and reduce Roger Stone's uh, sentence uh, because of the close relationship, alleged close relationship, that he has with the president. David Bassiotra, I want to ask you the question. Do you think that Roger Stone would have been indicted had he not been a close friend of the president's? Yes, I do, but I can also intellectually multitask. Seven to nine years does seem excessive and draconian. However... Does everybody agree with that? Peter, do you agree with that? I mean... Uh, no, I don't at all. I think that if you look at the sentencing guidelines, I think someone who has, you know, 14 grams of cocaine or crack in their bag could face, face 20 years. Well, that's excessive so, I mean, and draconian, too. Yeah, uh, right. th- th- maybe there's that's a broader conversation. I, I think the bottom line is what the sentencing guidelines say, that's pr- produced by a, a totally, totally nonpartisan group. That- that was my second point. I was going to say I, I can object to the sentencing guidelines as they're currently yeah, written, broadly. but also view uh, Trump's attempt to interfere with the sentencing and Barr operating at the behest of Trump as quite dangerous and damaging to our system of separation of powers yes. that is meant to protect the integrity of the courts. Uh, and to Josh's point before the break, uh, you know, we're constantly seeing these uh, gymnastic maneuvers to compare Trump to Obama in such a way that would make Simone Biles jealous. But uh, Obama's involvement in the Ferguson affair was to ask his Department of Justice to study systemic biases within the police department there and elsewhere. And this, 
the conclusion of that study actually affirmed uh, the Ferguson district attorney's or prosecutor's decision not to press charges against Officer Wilson, but found that the police had consistently violated the civil rights of its black residents. It did not get involved in sentencing, and it was not done to protect an ally of the administration. That's a key distinction. What Trump is doing here is protecting a friend and ally, which is a grotesque abuse of power. The Obama administration so when he pardoned, was attempting when he, when to he pardon, study when a he pattern of injustice. Him, when he pardons him, what's your reaction going to be to that? Because he, he has the right to pardon, right? Yes, and, and I would say if he were to commute the sentence or pardon, that falls within his powers. Well, can I, uh, Stephanie, you have a comment. Well, you know, what he's guilty of with everyone else, anyone who's associated, who's in the Trump camp, they go through a sifting that no other administration, their, their uh, cabinet members had to go through. He's guilty of just being on Team Trump. And what this message is a warning to anybody who's thinking about joining that team, are your taxes in orders? Everything, every dot, dot, you know, every T crossed, everything dotted. I don't know if I can withstand it. I try to do everything, you know, on the up and up. That's what it's all about, going the Sarah Palin sifting. of Trump so himself has never shown his tax returns. He doesn't returns. have to. Why should so, he? Yeah, but he, so then how could you make the point yeah, well, that the Trump administration has gone through a they vetting have. process <clears throat> more rigorous than anyone else? Th th yeah. There's Isn't that no a major doubt contradiction. Th there, no, there's not. no doubt that greater scrutiny is placed on Trump supporters, mm -hmm. on Trump potential cabinet officials, Trump judges, whatever it is, because that's just the way it is. How does Andrew McCabe get off for lying to the yeah. FBI, mm -hmm. non-prosecutorial decision to not even prosecute him when he lied, when the inspector general found out that he lied? How does the official... Well, can, I, can I at least offer an option? Uh, someone in the FBI who was working directly for the attorney general, they made a decision that notwithstanding what all the Trump supporters would like, they'd like to see, you know, Andrew McCabe in prison. The attorney general, I assume, signed off on that decision. Yep. They were not going to indict Andrew McCabe. So if you're if you believe that if you believe them that they're operating under a position of integrity at <clears> one <throat> point, is this is this no, not another let me explain example that, of integrity, even though politically you may disagree with it? Let me ex explain that. I don't know that the we don't know that the attorney general got involved. <laughs> in that. What I'm talking about is the bureaucracy. The so and I was not a deep stater. I mocked people who talked about the deep state, but we, there is a deep state, and it is the the permanent bureaucracy, Republicans and Democrats who hate this president mm -hmm. at all costs. I think Andrew McCabe is actually a Republican, by the way. But in any event, they th those decisions are made at lower levels. Bill Barr was going to get involved because it's absolutely ridiculous that Roger Stone, who is like 73 years old, is going to serve seven to nine years in prison for lying to Congress. That is that is crazy. It's, so, so Barr was so going you, to get involved. Uh, just so I understand, you, you believe that Bill Barr would get involved and, and justifiably so, in your opinion. Yes. He would get involved with a Roger Stone sentencing, trying to reduce it. Yes. But he wouldn't be involved in the signing office to whether McCabe was going to be indicted or not? That's going to be at the uh, level of— At a different of, level? That's at I a different agree with level. That. What's your take just I, on that particular— I, I, I'm sorry. I have to kind of scope out. I mean, I, it, it really—it's shocking to me to see this much compassion uh, from conservatives— for this, uh, you know, 70-year-old criminal with a giant Richard Nixon tattooed on his back, 
Um, Which when it doesn't make him a criminal. Just, well, didn't, oh you guys got to <laughs> chill for a second. Yeah. I didn't say that was against the, against the law. It probably should be, but <laughs> right. I, I digress. The point I make is it's, it's just shocking to hear all this compassion. Oh, my God, a seven to nine year sentence for Roger Stone. Where is this compassion for the tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of people of color, black, Latino, Hispanic, Hispanics, okay. who, who end up suffering the brunt of these awful sentencing guidelines. What, where is the scrutiny This around? president stopped that. He, he did He's taking care of that. You're interrupting that. First, he, he first step, he guys, second chance I've been, I've been act. Respectful. First step. He's all the over thing, that. If, if, you're, if, you're familiar with the show, if you're familiar with the, the show's format, you'll okay, understand that when you, show a lot. you have. And when yes. you talk over me, you antagonize me, and I can't finish my point. So I'm going to try to talk so I'm going to try... Josh, um, please, that's okay, the biggest pot kettle moment I've, I've, I've heard on the show ever. So this compassion seems to be missing for the people who suffer the most as a result of sentencing guidelines. And now we have this president, president. who interferes with an individual's sentence by telegraphing to his stooge, Bill Barr, that he needs to get involved and over come over what about throw these prosecutors what about and I got to get, get in on this Stephanie and then David Stephanie and then David and that's what I love you know that don't say black and brown people there's two different issues and I hate they're trying to uh, color people uh, people of color we're two different issues but when you're talking about criminal justice and what did you listen to the um state of the union speech this president is getting it done. You can placate and promise them. Wow. They've been promising that for decades. They're going to take care of us. Trump comes along. He's getting people out of jail that were over sentenced. Second Chance Act, First Step Act. Don't tell me. He's about getting it done. And you can pretend that this isn't happening as a woman, a black woman who grew up on the west side of Chicago. You're going to tell me about sentencing and being poor. No, you're not going to. Come. No. You can he be a black woman who grew up on the west side of Chicago. I'm a immigrant who grew up in Brooklyn. Don't placate. Good for you, that's what the, but no, when no, no. they start Miss trying to divide us into these Stephanie. categories, Trump I, is doing a lot I, for I'm black not, Americans, not, for all Americans. I'm not dividing anything in categories. You could look at the numbers. So I have compassion. You could look at the numbers I got, yourself. Wait, don't talk over you me. You could look at the numbers. But when you said um, compassion for Republicans, like, you, you can be a compassionate Republican. That's why I'm pro-life. And that's why, you, you, I, miss, you know, I defend everybody. We're very compassionate. Yeah, you, you misquoted me, and that's Period. not what I said. I didn't say compassionate you said some Republicans. Compassion from Republicans. I said it's David shocking. Ma- no, no, David, no, okay. no. I said she, she misquoted Democrats who would kill, said, who, kill mm-hmm. who targets black babies Steph, in the womb? You said, Folks, that's not what I said. Uh, I said Peter, it's Peter, shocking to me to Peter, see all this don't compassion. Be shocked. I have a lot of compassion. For Roger Peter, Stone. Peter, That Peter, is sickening. We can't interrupt him, but he can interrupt us. I know. I responded to you. That's okay. I responded to you. Let's. Okay. Let's remember something, okay? Mm-hmm. I'm a white guy who grew up in the suburbs. Can well, I? we okay. won't hold that against you. Okay. <laughs> right, please okay. don't. <laughs> okay, yes, actually, you, you speak for a lot of people listening yeah, to this yeah. program. But my question is this, folks, if, if you talk over anyone, whether it's part of your strategy or not, uh, the people out there in Radioland can't hear either of you, okay? And I will tell you, based on previous conversations, when we have a very heated show, the people that react to me in, on, on, on vo- email... Uh, they don't like it. They don't like it, and they turn it off. I don't want people turning this program off. We have very spirited conversation, which I like a lot, but really one voice at a time. David. Two things. If, if one can recall, it seems like ancient history now because the news cycle moves at such a rapid pace. When Bill Clinton met with Loretta Lynch in the tarmac of the airport, the entire world had to stop mm-hmm. because of the impropriety of it. No one even knows what happened in that conversation. There's deniability. I didn't think he should have had that meeting, but he did. The Republicans who wanted to stop the entire movement of the country over that meeting are now defending President Trump publicly intervening in a sentencing. So 
That hypocrisy and inconsistency is quite interesting. To Peter's point about Again, this just one second. displaced I want, I want Josh. I want Josh to respond to just that point. What do you think? Does David have a point here that there's a disconnect? I, I don't think he has a point at all. What we saw there was Bill Clinton and Loretta Lynch meeting highly inappropriate when the Democratic candidate for president was under investigation. That is a lot different than a bit player like Roger Stone, who, you know, the Democrats want to make into this this highly important it's interference with figure. the legal system. So there's interrupting the there. So there's interrupting there. But what I'm saying is, is that that it, it, it's two different things. Roger Stone is just not that big of a deal. That's that's the point I'm making. He's not that big of a deal. Compared to that and situation. I wanted to also add to, to Peter's earlier point about this misplaced compassion. Benjamin Ferenz, the last living Nuremberg prosecutor, said that the Trump administration's policy of family separation at the southern border oh constitutes a crime against humanity. Where's the compassion for those families, for those children? Can we, oh, my goodness. Roger. Wait, wait, wait. Yeah. wait. Yeah. Roger well, Stone, break for, out the world's smallest violin. Where's the compassion violin? for descendants but, of slaves that are now being put behind illegals, resources taken from black people? You can come with me on the west side matter. of Chicago, it's and I'll show you how matter. the Hispanic neighborhood is booming, and my neighborhood matter. where I grew up is dying. Has you no owe me first. The country owes my... I'm an ancestor of enslaved Americans. I, I, the, the, the border issue, that disproportionately affects black people. We've got a negative pause. Way. Back shortly from Chicago. The economy is not working for everybody, especially those in jobs where unscrupulous businesses keep wages lower by hiring millions of illegal workers. Those businesses could use the government's e-verify system to prevent illegal hiring, but they refuse. What's best for the country? Let businesses continue to hire illegal workers or require e-verify, raise wages, and recruit left-behind Americans? See what voters want at eVerifyWorks.com. Paid for by Numbers USA, because numbers count. Every year, millions of Americans use opioids to manage pain. And reliance on opioids has led to the worst drug crisis in American history. That's why the CDC recommends safer alternatives, like physical therapy, to manage pain. Physical therapists treat pain through movement, hands-on care, and patient education. No warning labels required. When it comes to your health, you have a choice. Choose physical therapy. Visit MoveForwardPT.com to find a physical therapist in your area. Bruce Dumont back in Chicago. And in case you just tuned in, we have a real feisty group tonight. And we're going to let them introduce themselves. And we begin with our conservative Republican, Stephanie Trussell. Hi, I am a grandmother, a mom, a wife in the suburbs. I was, um, I had a radio show on WLS for seven years. And now I am a radio host, on fill-in host on 560 AM. And Peter Hanna. My name is Peter Hanna. Uh, I'm an attorney. Um, I focus on constitutional matters, civil, civil liberties matters, uh, privacy and cybersecurity. Um, I work with a lot of nonprofits, legislators, policymakers on progressive issues. And uh, as always, it's a pleasure to be here. And came to the country when, were you, when you were a young boy. Yes, I was actually old? born in Egypt and came to the country, and I was a little bit under two years old. And you became a citizen? Your parents became citizens, and you became a citizen? That's how, right. How long ago? Um, well, the paperwork is not... No, I'm kidding. Uh, many years ago. I was six or seven years old. Okay. So. Josh Cantrell. I am a uh, Jewish conservative, uh, also a cybersecurity lawyer. I have three kids, and uh, we live in the city in Lakeview. And 
for the uh, sin of being an outspoken Jewish conservative. I have people in my community, uh, in my neighborhood, and uh, unfortunately even distant family members who absolutely hate me for that. Welcome. Will it be difficult for you, given all that the president has done uh, in reaching out to the state of Israel, and you've been a defender of his positions uh, for the last couple of years on this program, what's going to, how difficult is your life going to be if Michael Bloomberg emerges as the Democratic nominee for president? Oh, it's not going to be difficult for me at all. I'm going to support Trump. 100 percent. How about your friends? And I, and I was a never-Trumper as well. Oh, okay. So, <laughs> Convert <yes>. it. <laughs> My friends who are Trump supporters, they're going to support Trump. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of support for Trump in the Jewish community. It's quiet. But those quiet Trump supporters look to me. I have 300,000 followers on social media. They look to me. I write. I speak out. I come on this show. I do other shows. I appreciate the opportunity, Bruce, you've given me to come on this show because – there are so many quiet Trump supporters out there in the Jewish community. Okay. David Massiotra joins us as well. David? Yes. Uh, pleasure to be here. The, thank you for having me as well. Uh, I'm a writer, a political columnist with Salon, and a music critic with No Depression, uh, the author of several books, uh, including Mellencamp, American Troubadour, and my forthcoming book due out October 15th, 2020, uh, I Am Somebody, Why Jesse Jackson Matters. Great. We will look forward to having you on to talk about that book. I hope so. Thank wow. you. One of the other big issues was that the president decided that he was going to get rid of people who he doesn't like, and he marched them out of the White House. Uh, he had every right to do it, right, Josh? Absolutely. Did Amen. he do it at the right time? He, he, no, he should have done it a long time ago. There were too many deep staters who were working against him, leaking to the media, going off and writing books, writing anonymous columns in the New York Times, doing all sorts of things. This should have happened a long time ago. Good riddance to these people. David Massiotri, is that you agree? He has every right to do it, right? Yes, of course. Uh, it's, however, it's disconcerting because it's an, yet another indication of Trump's uh, identity confusion. He seems to mistake himself for a, a monarch. And he seems to dictate his presidential power with dictatorial authority. And his, the majority of his supporters seem to uh, affirm him in that assertion. And it's dangerous and worrisome. Why is it dangerous if he fires someone that uh, he doesn't trust, Peter? Um, I think uh, kind of something even the, the folks on the other side here conceded, you know, sometimes the appearance can be problematic. That's you know, ostensibly why Bill Barr went on TV to diffuse the appearance of impropriety. And I think it's dangerous when, um, you know, we've seen the next in the Trump cycle. He does something really terrible and awful. He gets away with it and then he doubles down. So I think um, we're this is the beginning of Trump doubling, tripling, quadrupling down on behavior that um, is completely, you know, very dangerous and sort of erodes public trust. Does it, oh, Stephanie? Well, you know, I assume, I assume you have nothing. Uh, let me ask you this: Do you think that marching him out of the White House the way he marched him out 
Was that necessary? Well, it's kind of like to me he had to sh – I, I, I'm fine with that. You have to understand he was an outsider, never been a politician. He doesn't know how it works. And so he had a little bit of um, trying to land, l learn the lay of the land. And, and as you said, Josh, there are never Trumpers that are after him, the, the Democrats that are after him, the media that is after him. Now that he's kind of got a feel of what's going on, he had to let people know – no more of the leaks, no more of this uh, not being loyal to this president. And, and I don't have a problem with him marching them out. He had to give, show everybody an example. This is what we're expecting now. You need to be on, on Team Trump or just you got to go. And everybody, Gosh, he has tough. the right to do that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, the leaking, the, the undermining, all of the people working against him, that's got to go. And despite all of that, look at what this administration has accomplished. It is incredible. It is. Uh, let's go to Bonnie in Crown Point, Indiana. You're on the air. Oh, hello, guys. Hello. Really, well, I was I was really annoyed before the the last section, the last break. Yes. Uh huh. Um, the last thing that David referred to was separating the children at the border, and I am so lucky. I have a job where I can listen to these hearings on my phone while I'm working, and as I'm, you know, every one of these ICE. Uh, people and Homeland Security and all that, they've been hauled up before Congress for numerous hearings. And constantly, the reasoning they give, and there is reasoning, the reasoning they give is that, uh, first of all, they might not be able to prove that the child and the, per the adult are actually related. Mm -hmm. The child could have been rented to the parents. There's no documentation. Maybe the adult that's with that claims to be the parent has, like, uh, warrants for rape and stuff. So there are reasons that those children were separated. And if these parents really cared, they wouldn't put these children in this position. So, you know, don't make, don't go into that area. And now you're talking about, you know, you're, you're talking about what, what the president has the right to do and what he doesn't. You're right. You know, he does have the right to fire people who aren't loyal. Remember, Obama fired every single ambassador before he took office. Keep that in mind. Every single um, one. Yeah, that's that's the president's, you know, initiative. Yeah, well, they are welcome to do that. Yeah, right. And typically that's what happens when a new administration comes in. They release every ambassador. So and every maybe US attorney. Look at its history. Right. Right. But what we're saying is that they they have that right. In other words, it so, seems to me that the challenging the president on the right to do a lot of things that Democrats don't like, when it, you know, after two days of using that as a as a device uh, to gain you know uh, the, you know positions supporting their their side, they back away because they realize that everybody does that. Everybody does it, but everybody. My, my my issue with Trump again is he should have done it sooner. But but I think Stephanie hit the nail on the head. He's new to Washington. He didn't really get it. Maybe right. he was too trusting. And he but, appoint and he appointed McCabe the acting head of the FBI too. Right, right. <laughs> and and he let James Comey stay on. Where clearly Comey should have been fired before Trump took off. Or Bonnie, thank you very much for your call. I want to I want to switch uh, gears now and talk a little bit about. I'm going to kind of move our discussion uh, to the broader political issue. Uh, in 2016. A hundred million people did not vote. I want to get a sense from everybody. I want to weigh in on this discussion. There may be some actual agreement on this point. Why didn't a hundred million people vote in 2016? And after every election, there's always stories about lamenting that not enough Americans got off their butts and went out and voted. David, 
lead the discussion here. Why why do people not vote? Uh, well, we live in a in a culture that's too apathetic and too uninformed. Uh, many studies uh, verify those two assertions. Uh, I'm also reminded, however, I mentioned my book during the introduction that. Uh, Jesse Jackson ran for president twice, once in 84, once in 88, and although he didn't win the nomination either time, uh, historians and journalists uh, all concede that he acted as a valet of millions of voters into the Democratic Party, uh, black voters, but also Latino voters and Native American voters and students and gay voters, people who were uh, at that point, not involved in the political system. Mm -hmm. And it was largely because he uh, spoke their language, he, ag he aggressively uh, engaged them on issues that they found important. So we do have 45% of the voting age population that does not vote, and it's often because they feel that the political system does not represent them and does not give them any reason to vote. In 2016, however, a lot of those people, that number would have been larger <coughs> had it not been for Bernie Sanders on the left and Donald Trump on the right. Do you think that among the 100 million people that did not vote, Josh, is there a big swatch of that, of that number that you think will still be pro-Trump? Or did they basically give their vote to Trump in 2016 and they're either going to ratify it or, or withdraw it, and that, that he's not going to expand his base very much this year. If you're talking about, are, are you asking me, do I think that more people will vote than yeah. they did in well, 2016? How do, you, how do you cut into that 100 million people that didn't vote? I mean, I, I hate to be cynical, but I, I don't think you, you do. I don't think either side is going to do much to get to cut into that. I think that there... Does everybody agree with that? I, well, I think last time... We had a non-politician, and we had a very flawed candidate. People could not hold their nose and bring themselves to vote for Hillary. It's <clears> going to be different now. They're going to double down. People are coming. They understand now. Trump ran on sizzle last time. He sold us a stake. Now he's got a record to run on. I don't know if any of you guys have been to a Trump rally. You're not going to tell me. I just went to the one in Milwaukee. 13,000 people inside, 3,000 outside, watching in the cold on a teleprompter. And you're going to tell me that he, oh, people are going to wake up. 100,000 people will not be staying home. They're going to come out and support our president because everything is at stake. All the great things he's done, they're trying to take Do it away you think from they're us. All, you think they're all coming in one direction, they're going to support oh, Trump? Oh, they, they love Trump. I want to hear from Peter uh, and others, 1-800-723-8289. The question to you is, 100 million people didn't vote last time. Why do you think people don't vote? Is it because they're happy or is it because they're really PO'd? Back shortly. A new exhibit from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Stay tuned. Rock on TV. Artifacts from the Jackson 5, Sonny and Cher, Elvis, Cindy Lauper, ZZ Top, Eric Clapton, and more. Now at the Museum of Broadcast Communications, 360 North State Street, Chicago. From Bandstand to Gaga, let's rock on TV. For info and tickets, visit museum.tv. You have the right to know. The right to know about culture. The right to know about the economy. The right to know about technology and to know about sports. You have the right to know about education and politics and the weather. You have the right to know what's happening abroad and in your backyard. But above all else, you have the right to know that this right is under attack and we must work to protect it. Because in order to be free, we must be informed. Understand the threats. Protectpressfreedom.org. 
Bruce Dumont back in Chicago. Thank you very much for joining us tonight on Beyond the Beltway. My question to Peter Hanna uh, before the break. Peter, why don't you think 100 million people did not vote in 2016? Um, I think both uh, candidates had uh, a lot of flaws. I think, obviously, one is a, you know, reality TV show, Charlatan, um, and the other was someone hoisted by the establishment as the candidate in a sort of a fake primary. Um, and uh, when you take that, I think a lot of people felt like, you know, they their vote wasn't really going <clears> to <throat> be worth anything. Um, and then you add on top of that this notion of power complacency, right? The Democrats at the White House for eight years, you know, um, they felt comfortable with it. And uh, some thought that, you know, what's the worst that could happen? And now, obviously, we're seeing that, you know, your vote matters, like voting has consequences. So, um, you know, I think we will have a record turnout in 2020. Do you? OK, so that. All right. What is it that's being done now that would warrant um, a large number of people who didn't vote four years ago to come out? Because thus far, insofar as Bernie Sanders is concerned, his turnout in Iowa was down. The whole turnout was down. His personal turnout was down. Mm -hmm. His personal uh, turnout in New Hampshire was down. The only turnout that was up was the Republican primary in New Hampshire where the president got more votes than any incumbent president ever. Well, so I'm, what I'm saying is, sure. is there a possibility that what Stephanie says is true is that those people that didn't vote, they didn't, they, they, they didn't buy Trump the first time around, but now they're going to go for Trump because Bernie Sanders on the other side, n- numerically, he's not, he's not up to par from four years ago, and I don't see any other candidate out there yeah. that's likely to do it. So Bernie Sanders ran against one person, <clears throat> obviously, in 2016. He's now running against, I don't know, like a dozen, realistically, like five or six. So obviously the vote is going to be more split. Right. And Iowa and New Hampshire are not good litmus tests for sort of turnout. They're, these are older populations, more white populations. So I, I would hold back on any sort of judgment about turnout until we get through Nevada, South Carolina. So you think the non-voters are, are black and brown people? No, no, no. I'm, I just think that those particular states, which are combined, have a smaller population than New York City, um, are not good tests. Bruce, also remember that. Josh. I, I wanted to say, when I talked about the, 50, the 45% who didn't vote, that is historic. That has been right. that way for many years. No. And I just don't see it changing a lot. But I think that the party that can pick off the most more of those people than the other obviously is going to put their candidate in a better position and what we have now is that <clears throat> candidate trump is has <clears throat> been president trump now for 3 years a lot of people did think he was a charlatan carnal barker i said all of those things as a never trumper 4 years ago mm-hmm. so i hear in some ways what peter's saying but now he has a record to run on and so my hope is that stephanie's right and that we're going to see a higher turnout well it's also important to remember the 2018 midterms in which in the house races the republicans were devastated and the turnout numbers for democrats had increased at phenomenal rates from the perspective of a Democrat. So if there's a repeat of that in 2020, and even though those early states would contradict that forecast, Mm -hmm. uh, you have to keep in mind that the fear of Trump, whether you would argue it's justified or irrational, 
and the rage and hostility against Trump, again, regardless of your opinion of that, is soaring among Democrats and progressives. And those are some pretty powerful incentives to get out and vote. Is it soaring? In other words, of those 100 million people, do you think there's a significant number of them, a number of them that are just saying, ah, we finally have a multi-billionaire that we can vote for, <laughs> and he's the mayor of New York City. I mean, is that what they're, is that what they're thriving for? It's, it would seem to me that they would, just as four years ago, the enthusiasm was with Donald Trump and Bernie Sanders. Right. They had many of the same, they were touching many of the same chords. Mm -hmm. Many of Bernie Sanders supporters, not many, some Bernie Sanders supporters supported Donald Trump. One in ten. In the yeah, they, they actually just yeah. basically decided the election in the four states right. where you yes, won. Yes, they did. Yeah. But yeah. I, I need yeah. to address well, the 2018 thing. Since that time, we had how many years of wasting, you know, trying to improve that he, trying to prove that he colluded with Russia. So now they have to, on the other side of that, that whole thing fizzled, nothing. They've been trying to trip him up one time after another. So now you've got Pelosi just completely let everyone down. She, she kept saying no impeachment. Then she, she bent the knee to that faction of her group that decided that we got to take him out. So now voters are thinking they've wasted how many months, how many millions of dollars, and trying to prove that the most corrupt evil, dangerous person on the planet ever to hold this office, and you guys can't seem to catch him. And so what? while they're doing that, her constituents are stepping over human debris in her where she lives, and Trump is getting it done. He's, he's ticking off everything on his agenda. That's what they're going to have to face. 2018, yeah, that was bad. In, but now this is 2020, and, and so they've got, I think, AOC, that group, coming after Pelosi because they promised impeachment was going to happen, and they got nothing. Well, I, was get a, a get last, I was at a party last night. I was at a party. anecdote. Sort of did. I was at a party last night with a very progressive uh, San Francisco Ooh, Democrat. You should invite me next time. <laughs> and uh, he said, I asked him, are things as bad as the news media is making things out to be in San Francisco? And he said, it's worse. Yep, and I have a good friend who lives in Seattle who visits San Francisco a lot on business, who says that Seattle is actually worse oh, than no. San Francisco. Now, who knows what's really going on? Just to add something I mean, I've to been to both places in the past few months. Um, here I am. I can give you a first hand <laughs> account. What a crazy idea. There he is interrupting. What did you say? What did you say? There he is interrupting. He's the only one allowed to interrupt. Yeah, but go ahead. We have to pause, folks. I want to say something. I know, but we can't. I heard the exit music. When we come back... Peter is going to report on his observations of San Francisco. 1-800-723-8289. When we come back, we're also going to be talking about Michael Bloomberg. Is America ready for Michael Bloomberg? And what about those skeletons in his closet? Back shortly. someone drinks? Do you feel angry or depressed most of the time? Do you feel neglected or unloved? Do you feel that if the drinker loved you, she or he would stop drinking? If you answered yes to any of these questions, you are not alone. Not everyone trapped by alcohol is an alcoholic. Families and friends are suffering too. 
Al-Anon and Alateen can help. Call 1-866-200-0223 or visit alanon.org slash help. My name is Bobby. I'm a veteran and lost my leg to a roadside bomb. My victory was going from a wheelchair to becoming a weightlifting champion. I'm Sam. I'm a veteran. My victory was finding a career that I could be proud of. At DAV, we're on a mission, helping veterans of all generations get the benefits they've earned. I'm Cece. My victory was finishing my education. When America's veterans win, we all win. Help us support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. The economy is not working for everybody, especially those in jobs where unscrupulous businesses keep wages lower by hiring millions of illegal workers. Those businesses could use the government's e-verify system to prevent illegal hiring, but they refuse. What's best for the country? Let businesses continue to hire illegal workers or require e-verify, raise wages, and recruit left-behind Americans? See what voters want at eVerifyWorks.com. Paid for by Numbers USA because numbers... GTG, BRB, OMW, be there in a few. You may think that these kinds of texts are fine because of their length, and you can easily send them at a stoplight. But no, answering one text can take your attention away from the road for five seconds. And traveling at 55 miles an hour, that's enough time to travel the length of a football field. Make good decisions. Don't text and drive. Visit StopTextStopRex.org. A message brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. Project Yellow Light. Noise and the Ad Council. Chris Domine is a husband and a father. Chris is an athlete. Chris is even an Iron Man. But 10 years ago, Chris was facing a very different story because his kidneys were failing. Basically, the doctor said if you don't get a kidney transplant and if you don't do dialysis, you, you are going to die. Fortunately, Chris received a second chance at life made possible by an organ donor. You know, your well-being changes from loss of hope to hope to better times ahead. More than 100 million people in America are registered organ, eye, and tissue donors, people of every age and ethnicity, because they believe it's the right thing to do. Imagine what you can make possible by leaving behind the gift of life. Learn more and sign up as an organ, eye, and tissue donor. Go to organdonor.gov. A message from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Health Resources and Services Administration. Bruce Dumont back in Chicago. Thank you very much for our number two. Joining us for our number two of Beyond the Beltway. And uh, we've got a full board of lights. Let's head to them right now. Let's go to Greg in Portland, Oregon. Go ahead. You're on the air, Greg. Hey, hello. Um, so on the apathetic um, people that are not voting before Trump. Yeah. Um, I believe that it was because uh, there was nothing in it for the people. Uh, actually, the Democrats and the Republicans, as much as they fought, they were actually, I think, um, had the same goal. And that was to use uh, promises uh, that were actually lies to stay in power and use their corrupt ways to keep in power and make money just for themselves, uh, for the political groups in Washington on both sides. Mm -hmm. uh, now that Trump has um, come into power, he is revealing that corruptness and started the process of removing that portion of the corruptness of the political system. 
Do you believe then, if we were to look ahead to uh, November, because you said that maybe they felt that there, were, there was nothing in it for them, when you have candidates that are going to be promising either Medicare for all or free college tuition, do you, uh, as some of the uh, Bernie Sanders supporters have suggested, or Elizabeth Warren to some extent, do you think the fact that people might be getting something at least perceived for free in their mind, that that will turn more people out? In other words, if people thought that of 100 million people, if they thought they would get a free college education, is that going to drive them to the polls? Well, I think that's part of the uh, promises that are actually lies in many ways. Uh, and uh, ultimately, y yes, to your question, I think it'll probably bring a few out on the Democratic side. But again, they're promises that are actually lies. And um, also, um, what is that saying about people that are not going to be pulling their own weight and all they want is free stuff and they're not going to um, contribute to the American society when all they do is take. To me, it means yeah. that maybe within those hundred million people, there may be a large percentage of people that really don't care about participating. They want theirs and they're not going to contribute. And, you know, just and as they don't contribute to who is elected president, they yeah. don't contribute in any way. And uh, that may be one of the answers. And if yeah. somebody's saying, hey, here's a here's a free college education, that may drive people to the polls. I want to hear from I, our progressives whether you think I, there's I paid truth to I that. paid more money in federal income tax last year than Amazon, Netflix, FedEx, the NFL, and GE combined. So if the caller or anyone else is going to talk about making an investment in the country, why don't we have corporations who are profiting in the hundreds of millions or billions make an investment in the country before you come at poor and working people looking for an affordable college education or looking for a way to obtain insulin if they're diabetic so they don't die from the lack of it before you, uh, yeah. you know. Josh, let's hear from the Republicans. Now. Yeah, you know, I, I don't think that's going to work. I think America is still a center-right country when it comes to work ethic. And I think that uh, Greg got it right that, you know, people – these handouts, they're tired of it. Who's and, not and, working? And, Who's and, getting the handouts? And, and to be fair, to be fair, I'm going to say something that I agree with you okay. in part about the corporate handouts. Mm. That is disgusting. That those cor If it's true that they don't pay income taxes, that's crazy. We need a fair tax system. And but but all of this free stuff that the Democrats are promising, I think people most people recognize it for what it is. Stephanie, what what about the point about uh, corporations not paying their fair share or anything? Well, oh, when you say fair share, I'm thinking about the fair tax they're imposing here in Illinois. No, I'm, no. I'm going to have a flash. I'm going to pass out. <laughs> but uh, when we, it, it's okay, we know when they are taxed, they, they're going to pass it on to the consumer. We know that. And we talk about all the good things Amazon, those companies are doing, providing jobs and making sure people are working. And it's a great, and you know, capitalism is the greatest thing, has saved a lot of people from poverty and everything else that's wrong with the world. We know socialism has never worked, but it doesn't stop the left from trying to push that agenda down our throat. And when we think about... What we're facing in 20, November 2020, all those candidates on the other side are trying to undo all the great things that Donald Trump has done so far that he's been in, in, in since he's been in office. They're going to undo 
you know, everything. And, and, and name one of those candidates. I would love to hear from our, our, our friends here on the left. Which one of those candidates has a chance of beating Trump? Because he's putting Americans first. He's putting our I, interests first. And where they're going to well, put illegals, because remember, illegal brown is the new black vote. And that's what they're going after. They're going to give them all these resources and take them from hardworking Americans. So which one of those candidates can beat Trump? Not one. Peter. Well, I, mean, I can't uh, even comprehend what I just heard, but I'll speak to Greg's point. Um, generally, you know, I, if I were going to get free health care, um, it wouldn't suddenly make me just sit at home and get prescriptions or go to the. I mean, I think would one it make day. Would vote? Yeah, it would make the me vote. The question is, how do you get 100 million people? How do you drive them to the polls? And I'm just saying is that one of the reasons why, I mean, I, I guess another a broader question would be oh. the people who don't vote, are they oh. dumb? Or are they smart? I'll, res I'll respond to I think the people who don't vote don't vote because voting in the past has never helped them. I had an Uber driver the other day taking me to the airport, and we got to talking about politics, and he'd been a citizen for something like 35 years. He'd never voted once. And I asked him why. He said, I come from a country where voting doesn't really matter. And everything I've seen in America, showing me, voting doesn't really matter. We had a good conversation overall. I, I think what this election has to be about if there is any hope of beating Donald Trump, who's riding the benefit of a great economy, you know, with massive air quotes, it has to be about turnout. It has to be a massive turnout. And what can motivate people to, to turn out? Not, oh, I'm going to have a free uh, health care plan or I'm going to have free college. It's the idea that the country will become more equal, that you won't have people going bankrupt because they're paying medical bills. You won't have people going to their 40s and 50s with immense student loan debt when but most of the western world like most of the western debt. world most Stephanie, most of the western world most of the countries we call wealthy countries education college education is not prohibitively expensive but if it you're wasn't prohibitively expensive in the united states until the late 1980s but if you're if you're talking about i'm going to speak to your point if if the list of corporations that don't pay any taxes and everybody federal rattled, income tax federal yeah. income tax that we're talking about this is what Elizabeth Warren rattles mm -hmm. off and she rattles it off more than Bernie but Bernie is also going after billionaires so my question is along comes Michael Bloomberg yeah a billionaire mm -hmm. how does he become the guy that rallies these hundred million people to turn out for him? Or the other question I would say, and this is to the Republicans, is he the guy that gets suburban women who don't like many of whom, many of whom don't like Donald Trump, who showed up in 2018, is he the guy that gets them out because he's perceived to be the more moderate person? Yes. Or, got a lot of questions here, or because of all the issues that are now, stories that are coming out about his womanizing and his treatment of women, does it turn suburban Republican women against Bloomberg, who he thought was part of his base? Bruce, let me answer it this way. Bloomberg, if he is the candidate, will get suburban women out. The problem is he, he's not going to get the Sanders crowd. They're just going to stay home again. That's true. And so that is the problem, and that's the dilemma. Are the suburban the, the, Republican women a larger number? No. We're talking about numbers. No, they're not a larger number. Okay, when we come back, we're going to talk about the likelihood of him getting black votes or any Democrat getting black votes. And we will also take more calls. We've got a lot of them on the line. I'm Bruce Dumont. Thank you for joining us tonight from Coast to Coast. A new exhibit from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Stay tuned. Rock on TV. Artifacts from the Jackson 5, Sonny and Cher, Elvis, Cindy Lauper, ZZ Top. Eric Clapton, and more. 
Now at the Museum of Broadcast Communications, 360 North State Street, Chicago. From bandstand to gaga, let's rock on TV. For info and tickets, visit museum.tv. You have the right to know. The right to know about culture. The right to know about the economy. The right to know about technology and to know about sports. You have the right to know about education and politics and the weather. You have the right to know what's happening abroad and in your backyard. But above all else, you have the right to know that this right is under attack. And we must work to protect it. Because in order to be free, we must be informed. Understand the threats. Protectpressfreedom.org. We're still on back in Chicago. Let me ask our progressives. Who is your candidate for president right now, David? Uh, I'm anyone but Trump at this point. I, I was I was a supporter of Elizabeth Warren. Uh, what happened? And I mean, I still am. I'll, I'll likely still vote for her if she's still in the race when they get to the Indiana primary because I'm Did you say over Indian the border. Primary? Indiana. Oh, I thought you said Indiana. Uh, but it doesn't look like she's likely to succeed. So, what's your second choice? Um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. But Peter. I'm but I'm I'm a and this is the first election in which I'm an in, entirely uh you know loyal partisan. I will vote for whoever they nominate if it's if it's Peter, I would gladly vote for for Peter. Consider uh, that forever for in the room. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um yes, I would vote for you Josh over Donald Trump. Oh, I I would, I would feel Peter, less who, fearful who, about Peter, the Peter, who is it? Who is your choice? Um, you know, speaking Purely personally, uh, I think I've been in the show before. I've, I've said that, you know, I took a good look at Elizabeth Warren, Kamal Harris, Bernie Sanders, everyone. And, um, you know, after looking at everyone, looking at their record, um, I think the choice has become more and more clear. Um, and I think Bernie Sanders is the best candidate, not just, you know, as a Democrat, um, but just the, as an American. I think his, um, you know, his record speaks for itself. He's been saying the same thing forever and ever. And I think one of the responses he's given before is really, I think, important because, yes, America will never be a communist country or a pure socialist country or anything like that. But what we have right now is a form of socialism. We have a form of socialism where the government takes the money from the people and redistributes it. Right now it's being redistributed to corporations largely and to the very wealthy who have the means and ability to form whatever life they want. And I think what you see from Bernie Sanders is if we're going to take a little bit of that money that we're giving back to companies, giving back to wealthy, and start using it to stuff to sort of give people things like health care, I think there will come a time when people will look back and say, I can't believe that we commoditized and profited from human health. Peter, you've said that uh, Bernie Sanders has basically been saying the same thing for, uh, for many, many years. Um, are you concerned that his legislative record of success is minimal on the issues that he talks about and that after 30-plus years in Congress, maybe there should have been a few more things with his name on it that would have dealt with at least a portion of all the stuff that he talks about? Um, it, would, it would irritate these guys and maybe everyone if I rattled off the um, stuff that he's done successfully legislatively, but let me just say this. Obama— Talk about health care. I mean, Ob I mean— Healthcare has been a disaster in this country for a long time. The ACA was largely drafted by the Heritage Foundation and was a complete, you know, miscue. What, free college. What Bernie Sanders. Free college. Free college. I'm, I'm, I'm talking about the, I mean, the things I, that he talks about. What has he he's done? He's one senator. What is his. He's one senator, and he's been 
advocating for this stuff forever. I think as president, with a bully pulpit, and hopefully with a Senate majority, it can get done. If I it's going to need more than a Senate majority to well, impose socialism and communism on this country. Look, this is the guy, same guy who honeymooned in the Soviet Union, who I posted a couple of days ago, gave a lecture um, several decades ago in which he was lamenting... Um, in which he was, I'm sorry, praising the Cuban revolution and lamenting that we didn't have the same thing happen here. I mean, there's going to be so much of that stuff dug up. I really hope it's Sanders. I may even cross over, and this may be the first thing Peter and I agree on tonight, but I may cross over and vote for Bernie Sanders because I want to see Bernie Sanders. I mean, you're going to look at a George McGovern versus Nixon. Hillary Clinton really wanted to see Donald Trump. I want to tell you, Hillary Clinton... He is going to turn off so many of the key swing voters Sanders is is the riskiest candidate of of the group. Why, in your view? Well, if I was was his political consultant, I would have told him a long time ago to stop using the word socialism. It's too loaded. He's a socialist. One can play games with language without playing games with principles. But that being said, every major industrial economy in the world combines capitalism and socialism. We already have socialism in this country. The argument is, should we have more of it or should we have less of it? But the word comes with so much baggage that it's probably not politically savvy for him to invoke it so consistently. Uh, But just speaking, I would gladly vote for Bernie. I agree with him on nearly everything. But I do share Josh's concerns, although I suppose for Josh there are hopes, uh, (laughs) that some of that baggage will weigh him down in a general election. Is, uh, I want to let you respond to this uh, first, is Amy Klobuchar the most electable Democrat in your view, Stephanie? I, I honestly, being that they've been after Trump since he came down the escalator, I cannot believe the lot of candidates that they came up with. None of them can beat Donald Trump, and it disappoints me. I'm not threatened by her or anyone. They can actually wrap three of them together, and they still wouldn't be Trump because he's putting America first. His policies have already gone into effect. People are living. What is the poll saying? That 90% of the people love their lifestyle and what they're, how, what they're living <laughs> as a result of his, uh, his, his policies? I, a, I, I'm not afraid of her. They don't say as a result. Why do you answer every question I, I'm sorry about Trump? Amy. I, I'm not, I, I'm not yeah, threatened yeah, by anyone. On that side, I they want should, to ask our Democrats. I yeah. think is Amy Klobuchar the most electable? Hell no! Didn't Democrat. even mention her. Absolutely yeah. not. Why She's, not? I mean, Amy Klobuchar. Here's the thing: we we say like Bernie Sanders is left, far left, radical. Well, he's a socialist. You know, Donald Trump is the most radical candidate president ever. Amy Klobuchar is so far to the right. Her criminal justice record is atrocious. And I think just today, interviewed at Telemundo, she couldn't even name the president of Mexico. So, no, I, I would prefer Hil- someone a little bit more informed than her. Hillary Clinton. You're saying that she was a right-wing federal attorney? In, I'm, I'm in saying her right-wing. criminal justice record was awful, yes. Hillary As a Clinton. prosecutor, it was terrible. Hillary Clinton's unfavorable numbers were worse than Trump's. And yet... She lost the presidency because of the Electoral College by 80,000 votes combined over three states. So I think that any of these candidates, including Bernie Sanders, could defeat Donald Trump. Donald Trump now has a record to Uh, run on. We have a great economy. It It is a great record. It is... Donald Trump is probably the greatest president of my lifetime. And I didn't think I would be saying that. I mean, it is incredible what he has done. To, with the economy, taking on these trade deals, 
And his list of accomplishments. Peter, Peter, look at the State of the Union. Have, Peter, Peter yeah, Bear. Of course. That's why we have elections. Yeah. You completely disagree. You were raising your eyebrows when Josh was speaking. You completely agree, uh, disagree with, with Josh. But the point is, we're going to have an election. Yeah. And as I think David just said, it's going to probably come down yeah. to about three or four states yes. and about seventy or 80,000 people. The McGovern and map we're is see who over. Shows up. The country's too polarized and... and, and uh, partisanship is too entrenched. We're not going to have landslide victories like Reagan and Mondale. Oh, and by the way, if Trump had lost the three states, Wisconsin, oh. Michigan, and Pennsylvania, it would have been 269 to 269. So he came very close to New Does Hampshire. Does Michael Bloomberg, is Min Michael Minnesota. Bloomberg a stronger candidate in the state of Florida Yes. That will tip that state likely to the Democrats. He is a stronger candidate in that state, but I don't think he's a stronger candidate in the upper Midwest states at okay. all. And I agree with and, Josh on that. And, and, I, and I think that you could tip Minnesota to the Republicans with Michael but Bloomberg, Bloomberg potentially. What about Klobuchar? Klobuchar, I have to say, look, I don't think any of them can beat him. And I agree with Stephanie that you, they. I'm surprised they couldn't have come up with somebody better. But a Bloomberg Klobuchar ticket to me is the heart is is their most competitive ticket, because you're combining moderates, two moderates who can appeal to the upper Midwest that Peter way with Klobuchar knows Bloomberg because he was from New York. Oh. Yes, you're not a fan of Michael Bloomberg's. No, I am not. Why not? Well, first of all, you're a fan of Bernie Sanders, so. Yes. From an anecdotal yes. standpoint, tell us a little bit about what you knew uh, from the mayor when he was your mayor. Yeah, well, I mean, if Bloomberg were uh, actually a better candidate, I would say I'd support him. But he turns out he's one of the worst candidates ever. I mean, Why? Um, well, his track record was pretty well known in New York before he became mayor. Um, he wanted to run as a Democrat, and they basically wouldn't let him, so he ran as a Republican, even though he was very socially, quote-unquote, liberal. But once he was mayor... Um, he demonstrated a lot of uh, practices and policies that I think would be terrible uh, as president, like the stop and frisk policy. He, everything he did in terms of uh, law enforcement would turn out to be some sort of strangely racist civil liberties nightmare. In addition, he has these sort of kind of petty dictator tendencies, the desire to ban all sugary drinks in, in, in New York. Um, to kind of this weirdly paternalistic uh, mentality. I had friends who worked at Morgan Stanley, Goldman Sachs, like top, top, you know, financial firms. And we all, I, I, before he even became mayor, this came up. Um, there was a book called The Portable Bloomberg that his uh, employees had written over the years of just weird and crazy, zany things that Bloomberg would say. And I actually got to see it years ago, and I'm sure it'll come up now. Um, it contains all sorts of crazy things about women, about sex, about black people, about immigrants, just... I mean, the man is a nightmare in terms of a candidate, and it's disgusting to me that the DNC allowed him to buy a place in the stage. However, here's wow. one caveat. We agree. He's running the shrewdest and most effective campaign, partially because he can afford to do so. Yes. But his tactic of blitzing the public with these short ads that pack an emotional punch right. is wise and effective because it assumes that most voters aren't following politics closely day to day. That's true. That's right. Whereas Warren, who was the candidate I preferred, mm -hmm. one of her problems was she spoke as if the majority of Americans were carefully reviewing all of the policy proposals. And if they were doing so, they would see that hers were the most uh, astute and the most thorough, 
but most weren't paying attention. So Bloomberg is also capitalizing on the unprecedented level of fear and hostility toward Trump on the Democratic side. And but he's also like that. commercials. He's also obviously a smart guy. Yes. But I don't know how you launch a presidential campaign seeking the Democratic nomination when you have to know that the story that appears in today's Washington Post about his, his relations with women in the workplace, he, he didn't harass anybody, but he certainly made it a very unpleasant culture, that that's a story. He was smart enough to stay out of Iowa. The economy is not working for everybody, especially those in jobs where unscrupulous businesses keep wages lower by hiring millions of illegal workers. Those businesses could use the government's e-verify system to prevent illegal hiring, but they refuse. What's best for the country? Let businesses continue to hire illegal workers or require E-Verify, raise wages, and recruit left-behind Americans? See what voters want at eVerifyWorks.com. Paid for by Numbers USA, because numbers count. Every year, millions of Americans use opioids to manage pain, and reliance on opioids has led to the worst drug crisis in American history. That's why the CDC recommends safer alternatives, like physical therapy, to manage pain. Physical therapists treat pain through movement, hands-on care, and patient education. No warning labels required. When it comes to your health, you have a choice. Choose physical therapy. Visit MoveForwardPT.com to find a physical therapist in your area. Bruce Dumont back in Chicago. Thank you very much for joining us. Let's go to South Carolina, where Sam is listening to us in Myrtle Beach. Go ahead, Sam. Uh, Yes, Bruce. The Democrats are in a bad place with Bernie Sanders. If he's the nominee, he's going to get blown out. And if he's not the nominee, his people are going to be so angry that there's going to be no healing that rift, I don't think. David, what do you think of that? I want to get everybody's re- – I, you know, that, that is the big concern that That's an, that people that's an have. accurate that's, that's assessment. That's the dilemma that faces the Democratic Party because uh, Bernie Sanders does carry risks as a candidate. But if he wins, if he wins the most votes, obviously he should be the nominee and I will support him. And uh, However, if he doesn't win, even if he loses uh, in an entirely legitimate, credible, honest way, he will have a large percentage of his supporters who will refuse to vote for anyone else. S- so Sam that does did- present a threat yeah. to the, the Democratic Party. And also, Sam, we have to remember the Democratic primary voters selected... George McGovern, Michael Dukakis, John Kerry, they were all selected by the voters. And by the way, Republican primary voters selected Mitt Romney, they selected John McCain, they selected Bob Dole. So both parties have a very good track record of nominating people through their process that really have no popular uh, appeal when it comes to uh, a general election. It's difficult. Le- I mean, but again, you, you got to you can't take that away from like them. Obama, for example. That's a once in a generation yes. politician, and as well so as it, Reagan. I, I want to yeah. say this: Sam nailed it in one sentence. Sam nailed the yeah. Democrats' d- dilemma, and that was the Republicans' dilemma in 2016. Stephanie and I were never Trumpers. Yeah, no way. We I eventually kind of came. Who were you for? Who were you for? Bruce originally. Oh, one second. Marco Rubio. Oh, Rubio, and like you were for? I was Ted Cruz. Okay, go ahead, Sam. Yeah, one thing I want to say about Bernie Sanders, I think he is one of the biggest frauds that's ever been. Mm -hmm. If you look at 
there's a company called O Town Media that he started with family friends and family members. Mm-hmm. And they ran $82 million, supposedly, in advertising uh, and campaign consulting through that company in 2016 and charged 15% uh, commissions. Did they work with uh, Trump University? And then Bernie buys a lake house and a sports car. Mm -hmm. So, (laughs) and, and it's the same thing with AOC. You know, she wanted everybody to chip in on her staff and everybody chip in their money so they'd be paid equally, but I bet you she didn't chip in hers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. Sam, let wow. me ask you this question. That's just question. a baseless wow, assumption. That's just a Sam, you, you changed my mind, Sam. Not voting for Bernie. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> my question is this, Sam, to you. You're, you're calling from Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. What is your assessment? We, we understand where you, uh, uh, how you feel about Bernie Sanders, but uh, would you care to make any assessment uh, – as to the Democratic likely winner a couple of weeks from now? If Bernie doesn't get to where he needs to be in delegates, i got to think that there's going to be so many people pushing Bloomberg. It's either going to be Bloomberg or Bernie. Okay. Um, I think that's Klobuchar Klobuchar has all the charisma of the proverbial paint drying. Yes. (laughs) Bloomberg has no uh, abundance of charisma either. He's sort of a charisma vacuum. He's got the, he's got the dough and the Democrats are He's got $60 billion. Sam, listen, thanks very much for calling. Good to hear from South Carolina tonight, okay? Thanks, Let's Sam. now head west to Austin, Texas, where Kathy is listening to us on KLBJ. Go ahead. Hello there. How are Hi. you? Hi. How are you? I'm doing well. Um, earlier in the show, you were talking about, or you were asking if suburban women would vote for Trump. And Mm -hmm. I am a suburban woman in Austin, Texas, which is very liberal, uh, and I did vote for Trump in 2016. I'm actually a registered Democrat, have have always been a Democrat, but because of the way the party's uh, platform has turned so progressive, um, I turned to... I, I decided to give Trump a, a try. Um, and, yes, he does have a record uh, that he's running on this time, and I'll vote for him again. Um, you know, there's a lot of people who are Trump supporters who cannot talk about it mm-hmm. because of the repercussion that we get from uh, liberal Democrats in the areas where we live. Right. I can't even put a Trump sign in my yard. Or I won't, because I live in a very liberal city. Uh, so there's a lot of Trump supporters out there who are kind of under the covers here. And the only time that people really know that we're out there is when we can vote. Kathy, let me ask you this question, because the general, uh, the, the general perception of Trump's problem with women, which is Uh, stated by Democrats and perpetuated in many cases by the national news media, and that is his personality. He's too rough. He's too gruff. Uh, He's he's rude, crude, and socially unattractive. That's the way the perception of Donald Trump is. And again, he feeds that image himself with a lot of things that he says and the way he does things. And and the, the general thought is that women back away from that. There may be a lot of men that are macho, and they like that because he's rock em, sock em, and calls it like it is, but that women, on the other hand, they shy away from that. They don't, they don't, they don't like that rough-and-tumble, uh, bare-knuckles 
uh, political discussions and attitude. And you add that uh, some of the some of the uh, the charges that have been made against the president and his relationship with women over the years. How do you react? First of all, is there any part of that concern that you have heard articulated by your friends or neighbors who maybe are not going to be supporting Donald Trump? Um. Well, I, you know, that, yes, the peop- my friends who are not going to vote for him uh, won't vote for him for all the reasons that you've talked about. But, you know, I live in Texas. I'm used to men being rough and speaking their minds and going after things. Um, you know, politics is not polite. And um, through all of these years, and I'm an older woman, so I've been voting for a long time. But through all these years, you know, we've, we've always thought that all these politicians had to be polite people and negotiate in polite ways. And, but what we're finding out is, you know, what has been going on behind, in the, behind the scenes. And there's been so much corruption that we have heard about, you know, and, and so many things that have not been truthful that have gone on in politics, that in my mind, in my opinion, I don't have a problem with the way Trump is handling okay. uh, himself. Stay on the line. I want to ask Stephanie the same question. My description of, of the, the, uh, the at least the perception that media perpetuates that Donald Trump is a turnoff to a lot of women. Would you acknowledge that that exists at least somewhere within your sphere of influence? Well, again, I'm a suburban housewife, and um, I wasn't turned off, especially that whole clip on him on the bus. That was a moment where he didn't know he was on mic, and just because someone says it doesn't make it so. So I'm not going to go along with that. the rough and tumble? He said it. Just because people do locker room talk all the time. I'm not going to be also taken aback by that. I agree with what she was talking about, that (laughs) he's a strong man that speaks his mind. And and so we have this whole thing going on with Bloomberg, kind of similar, but because he's running as a Democrat, he's going to be forgiven. It's going to be forgotten. It's no big deal. But I, it's okay to have someone that's speaking their mind, especially when it comes to politics. So many people placate. Like, if you listen to the, the, the uh, right now, Bloomberg is running an ad on local Chicago radio that says that, yes, I pulled myself up in the American dream, but if I were black, I probably wouldn't have been able to do that. That ticks me off to no end. Pandering like Hillary did to the black community that she carries hot sauce in her purse. Stop lying to us. Stop placating to us and talk to us because American black Americans have the same desires as white Americans. We want good schools, we want safe neighborhoods, and we want opportunities. And for the Democrat Party to promise us decade after decade, they're going to take take care of us and look after us. And when you live in a city like Chicago and you know that's not true, just I like what Donald Trump, what did he say in 2016 to the black voters? What do you have to lose? And it's absolutely nothing because the Democrats have given us nothing. I just want to ask a question. Do you have daughters? Yes, I do. Um, If you heard one of your daughter's um, boyfriends or husbands or something Mm -hmm. say what Donald Trump said, Mm -hmm. would you just say... I don't know. I'm, I'm not throwing. I love my no, father. I'm, I'm not throwing my father under the bus. But he talked like that all. That's how men talk in locker dad. rooms. Asked that's what. Daughter, that's what men do. You know what? I, if, if, his, my, if my daughter's husband spoke like time that, time is running low. Uh-huh. I just want to know if you. Oh, it's a simple question. If you overheard your daughter speaking as Trump did about my grabbing daughter? women, your daughter's husband or mm-hmm. boyfriend speaking like Trump did about grabbing women by the whatever, would you be cool with it? 
I wouldn't be cool with it. Yeah, but it would be, be kind of disgusting awesome. and vulgar But that was a dirty, low-down October surprise trick. They had that's that tape all along there, trying to make people not there's vote for him, and they still voted for him. There's it's a difference between Kathy president still and beat family. Kathy, still Kathy, Kathy yeah. in Austin, Texas, thank you very much for calling with your opinion, okay? It's not. Thank you. Appreciate it. Go ahead, David. Volume and crudity and cruelty does not project strength. Mm -hmm. To call Donald Trump a strong man assumes that strength means picking on the weak and the vulnerable, whether it's mocking a disabled journalist that over his disability. It's on video. It's fake news. Whether it's whether it's mocking Should women over their appearance, <laughs> including you know, his political opponents' wives, whether it's mocking everyone's appearance, whether it's uh, mocking people over their history with mental illness, as he did with Ted Cruz's wife. That's not strength. That's weakness, and that's behavior of a bully. Josh, Donald Trump that's has behavior proved of a pathetic his, person. Donald Trump has proved his strength in his three years as president of the United States. What we're talking about is stuff that happened when the he was a candidate right. and before. And there's a difference. And it's already How about been attacking litigated. someone who's dead? And there's a Saying difference a between, is in hell. between is that inviting someone like That's Donald strange? Trump into your family. I wouldn't want Donald <laughs> Trump to be dating my daughter, for instance, okay, at all, or somebody like that, versus the president of the United States and what a record, what, what a record he has. Got pause. 1-800-723-8289. A new exhibit from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Stay tuned. Rock on TV. Artifacts from the Jackson 5, Sonny and Cher, Elvis, Cindy Lauper, ZZ Top, Eric Clapton, and more. Now at the Museum of Broadcast Communications, 360 North State Street, Chicago. From bandstand to gaga, let's rock on TV. For info and tickets, visit museum.tv. You have the right to know. The right to know about culture. The right to know about the economy. The right to know about technology and to know about sports. You have the right to know about education and politics and the weather. You have the right to know what's happening abroad and in your backyard. But above all else, you have the right to know that this right is under attack. And we must work to protect it. Because in order to be free, we must be informed. Understand the threats. ProtectPressFreedom.org. Bruce Dumont back in Chicago. Thank you very much. You were, say what you just said. You said what? You like to come on the show because? Well, this is a safe space to support Trump. In Chicago. Yeah, in Chicago. It's not very many of those places you can do that. And, and I just have to say something on a personal level. This is cool to be on with a black conservative and a Jewish conservative. I mean, we are, people hate us in our community. Uh, yes, we can't and, go to Thanksgiving dinner and, without being attacked. Right, yeah. and, and so I think it's it's great, Bruce. Yeah. I you, appreciate it. A truly diverse show. Well, we hope we hope so. <laughs> and even Peter's here. Yeah. Even me. We, the guy we just, take immigrants just and, just that happily came, came to this country. We love Egypt, us. A U.S. We citizen, love successful attorney, David Masiotra. Uh, are you Italian? I've never asked you this. Is, is, is that the derivation of your name? Uh, yes, it is. I'm Italian and Serbian-American. Okay, oh, very, good. very good. By the way, let me, we're, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna, uh, go to a different subject. We have, lots, we have a full board of lights. And uh, to those people who are on the phone, uh, stay on the phone. Because when our show officially ends tonight uh, on radio, on the radio stations that you're listening to, and uh, on YouTube as well, we're going to keep going since we're live on Facebook. We're going to kind of fade to black for just a couple of seconds, and then we're going to come back, 
and we're going to take the calls that we have because they've been waiting, and we'll carry on our conversation, and we'll see uh, how long we go. We're not going on, going on a long time, but again, we're going to try something new that we've not done, and because we are live on Facebook and we're live on uh, YouTube, we can do these things now, and uh, again, the radio people will leave us, but uh, we'll continue to have our conversation. You know, one of the stories that we've briefly talked about is Michael Bloomberg, and again, uh, last week, one of the issues was whether or not Michael Bloomberg's stop and frisk uh, 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 policies when he was mayor of New York uh, would make it very difficult for him to pick up and attract African-American voters uh, during the Democratic primary. And then uh, what is broken during this week, and in a huge story in the Washington Post today, if you've not read it, you may find it very interesting. It's a rather devastating story. Uh, about Michael Bloomberg and his relationship with women uh, who has wor- who have worked for his company, he had a uh, allegedly a very dangerous uh, uh, you know culture. Uh, of, of treatment of women uh, in the Bloomberg companies. So, again, it's a story that will likely dominate uh, the news for the next week. And, again, we want to mention, mention something, uh, and, again, this is for a lot of conservatives, and you know uh, on this program, if you're a regular listener, we have frequently taken a swipe at the New York Times or the Washington Post because we think that, you know, they're, they're in bed with the Democrats and they're out to get Trump. And, again, obviously, I think virtually uh, at least a couple of times a week they're demonstrating their anti Trump bias uh, both those newspapers. But I do want to say that the stop and frisk story is one that originated from the New York Times and the story about Michael Bloomberg and his uh, problems with women, at least in the workplace, is a Washington Post story. So these are two traditional liberal Democratic publications that are now communicating and letting the American people know about some uh, two very difficult things for Michael Bloomberg to talk about on his way to the White House. And again, uh, let's uh, take a listen to what Michael Bloomberg had to say, first of all, on the issue of stop and frisk. This is from a taped recording from several years ago in 2015. He's addressing the Aspen Institute. Somebody had their little tape recorder going. And this is what Michael Bloomberg had to say about the controversial stop and frisk program in New York City while he was mayor. 95% of your murders and murderers and murder victims fit in one MO. You can just take the description, Xerox it, and pass it out to all the cops. They are male minorities, 15 to 21. You put all the cops in the minority neighborhoods. Yes, that's true. Why do we do it? Because that's where all the crime is. And the way you get the guns out of the kids' hands is to throw them against the wall and frisk Josh Cantrell, uh, that comment has put him behind the eight ball with a lot of Democrats and a lot of people in the media. They were aghast at those comments. The president's first response was he leashed out, uh, lashed out uh, in a tweet saying that this demonstrated that, that Bloomberg was a total racist. It's one of the few tweets that the president pulled back. Did he pull back because there are too many supporters of Donald Trump that agree with that policy? I don't know why he pulled back, but I suspect that there are supporters of Donald Trump that agree with tough policing policies that have saved countless African-American lives, uh, lives of uh, Hispanic kids, and lives of other uh, minority groups who are in disadvantaged neighborhoods. So I I think that the original tweet calling Bloomberg's policies racist, Trump realized was wrong. 
Well, he called Bloomberg totally racist. Well, that that Bloomberg is not racist. Okay, you can say a lot about Bloomberg, but he's not racist. And I don't. Do you agree with that? I don't think Trump believes that. Uh, do I agree with? The, I think Bloomberg is a racist, and I think what we heard. Um, I, it's actually really interesting. There was some speculation that the Bloomberg campaign itself leaked that audio to get ahead of it, um, because they thought there was going to be a bigger expose or a bigger story coming out. Um, I think he is racist. I think stop and frisk is a policy. Of course, it's been found by courts to be unconstitutional because it is. Um, it disproportionately targets people of color, and um, I think the way it was implemented in New York did not produce or yield the results that I think uh, some others who advocate for it now would say it does. And the last thing is I'll that say- a po- is is that a policy? Is that a policy that you personally think is racist? The policy itself. Yes, I do think it's racist, and I think it's unconstitutional. And I think, at the end of the day, there are a million better ways to achieve the desired result. Well, I would love to weigh in on that when we come back. Give, give us a quick response. Well, Ten seconds. It's, so much is in that when we talk about 70% of black children being born without dads. 50 years ago, it was the opposite. 70% of black families were intact, loving homes. So as a result of that, we have more boys and, and young men, angry, uneducated on the streets. So disproportionately, we are committing more of the crimes, and we are the victims disproportionately. It's, that's just the result. And you live in Chicago. You read the paper every Monday. You know what's going on. On that note, I want to thank our Republicans for joining us tonight. They are Josh Cantro and Stephanie uh, Trussell, that's okay. Stephanie Trussell, I'm sorry, Stephanie. And also our Democrats, David Maciotra and Peter Hanna, they have joined us. And again, a reminder, if you're listening uh, to this program right now, we're going to say farewell to you. If you're watching us on Facebook Live or on YouTube, stay right where you are. We're going to dip to black in a couple of seconds, and then we'll be back and we'll take a, we have a full board of lights. We'll take more calls at one 800 723 8289. I'm Bruce Dumont. Thanks for joining us tonight. Do you worry about how much someone drinks? Do you feel angry or depressed most of the time? Do you feel neglected or unloved? Do you feel that if the drinker loved you, she or he would stop drinking? If you answered yes to any of these questions, you are not alone. Not everyone trapped by alcohol is an alcoholic. Families and friends are suffering, too. Al-Anon and Alateen can help. Call 1-866-200-0223 or visit alanon.org slash help. My name is Bobby. I'm a veteran and lost my leg to a roadside bomb. My victory was going from a wheelchair to becoming a weightlifting champion. I'm Sam. I'm a veteran. My victory was finding a career that I could be proud of. At DAV, we're on a mission, helping veterans of all generations get the benefits they've earned. I'm Cece. My victory was finishing my education. When America's veterans win, we all win. Help us support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. The economy is not working for everybody especially those in jobs where unscrupulous businesses keep wages lower by hiring millions of illegal workers. Those businesses could use the government's e-verify system to prevent illegal hiring, but they refuse. What's best for the country? Let businesses continue to hire illegal workers or require e-verify, raise wages, and recruit left-behind Americans? See what voters want at eVerifyWorks.com. Paid for by Numbers USA, because numbers 
account. GTG, BRB, OMW, be there in a few. You may think that these kinds of texts are fine because of their length, and you can easily send them at a stoplight. But no, answering one text can take your attention away from the road for five seconds. And traveling at 55 miles an hour, that's enough time to travel the length of a football field. Make good decisions. Don't text and drive. Visit StopTextStopRex.org, a message brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, Project Yellow Light, Noise, and the Ad Council. Chris Domine is a husband and a father. Chris is an athlete. Chris is even an Iron Man. But 10 years ago, Chris was facing a very different story because his kidneys were failing. Basically, the doctor said, if you don't get a kidney transplant and if you don't do dialysis, you, you are going to die. Fortunately, Chris received a second chance at life, made possible by an organ donor. You know, your well-being changes from loss of hope to hope to better times ahead. More than 100 million people in America are registered organ, eye, and tissue donors, people of every age and ethnicity, because they believe it's the right thing to do. Imagine what you can make possible by leaving behind the gift of life. Learn more and sign up as an organ, eye, and tissue donor. Go to organdonor.gov. A message from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Health Resources and Services Administration.